Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department, let's see more. Generous tears filled Gabriel's eyes. He had never felt like that himself towards any woman. But he knew that such a feeling must be love. The tears gathered more thickly in his eyes and in the partial darkness he imagined he saw the form of a young man standing under a dripping tree. Other forms were near. His soul had approached that region where dwell the vast hosts of the dead. He was conscious of, but could not apprehend, their wayward flickering existence. His own identity was fading out into a grey impalpable world, the solid world itself, which these dead had one time reared and lived in, was dissolving and dwindling. A few light taps upon the pan made him turn to the window. It had begun to snow again. He watched sleepily, the flakes, silver and dark, falling bleakly against the lamplight. The time had come for him to set out on his journey westward. Yes, the newspapers were right. Snow was general all over Ireland. It was falling on every part of the dark central plain on the treeless hills, falling softly upon the Bog of Allen and farther westward, softly falling into the dark, mutinous Shannon waves. It was falling too upon every part of the lonely churchyard on the hill where Michael Fury lay buried. It lay thickly drifted on the crooked crosses and headstones, on the spears of the little gate, on the barren thorns. His soul swooned slowly as he heard the snow falling faintly through the universe and faintly falling like the descent of their last end upon all the living and the dead. It would be fair to say James Joyce is Ireland's most famous writer. He is also probably the 20th century's greatest writer. Or was he? To discuss this, I'm delighted to be joined by the Dean of the Faculty of Humanities and Social Sciences, Derek Hand. You are very welcome, Derek. Uh, thank you, Gary. I'm really looking forward to talking about James Joyce. Good, good, good. Well, okay, so... Let's start by asking this, answering this simple question. Who was James Joyce and why is his work considered to be so important? Right. Who was he? Well, he's from Dublin, from a middle class uh, background, um, but I think through his father's um, lack of, uh, I suppose, uh, energy around the whole work situation, uh, that move kind of spiraled downwards 
uh, in terms of kind of monetary sense, but I think that kind of cultural kind of middle class is interesting. I think one important feature of his growing up was that he lived in many parts of Dublin City, from Bray to Black Rock, uh, into the north uh, side of, of Dublin, around Drumcondra and various other um, uh, addresses. And I think having that intimacy of different places obviously feeds into his work, sort of kind of knowing different locations within Dublin, but also then having a sense of the different strata of Dublin life uh, in the 19th and early part of the 20th century. So it's not just one type of family or one type of person or one class has that kind of uh, overview, that three-dimensional view uh, of, of Irish life. So uh, who was he? That's who he was. And why is he important? Because I think growing up in 19th century uh, Dublin into the 20th century, it's an interesting time in Irish culture. We talk about the literary revival. So you've got figures like Yeats, uh, Singh, Lady Gregory, the Abbey Theatre, the focus on a kind of Irish writing, Irish language, but the sense of Ireland being a rural space. And that's what's different about Ireland and to be celebrated. And what Joyce wanted to do was look at the city, look at the urban situation um, and capture that reality, which obviously was going to be somewhat different to uh, an idolised view of of uh, the west of Ireland, uh, for instance. It's said that he uh, kind of presented Dublin in a way it had never been presented before, is that? That would be true, yes. I think there are glimpses of it uh, in earlier novels, but I think that overview, I think, is important because if you look at, at, at his work from Dubliners through Port of an Artist, through Ulysses, and finally to Finnegan's Wake, but in Dubliners, there's almost a kind of journalistic precision, an attempt to sort of just capture the city streets and the kind of lives being lived as they were without any sort of uh, extra bells and whistles or, or rhetorical language and so on. And and yeah, and he wanted to sort of do that because he felt it was important to do so. Um, and uh, in doing so, he would be able to give the world a vision of Ireland, but more importantly, to give Irish people a vision of themselves. And his, his, his father's... Uh, proclivities for uh, squandering what money he had and he'd inherited some money and so on as you say gave rise to them moving mm. around Dublin a lot they started off I think in, he started off in 21 Brighton Square yeah. and wound up in St Peter's Road which is right beside Dalyman Park and Cabra yeah. so there was a very strong sense of of literally an odyssey, his own odyssey <laughs> yeah. throughout Dublin there's very few middle class people who, who end up living in that many parts mm. of Dublin and then in the uh, quote-unquote working classes, I suppose. So this is where he was uh, uh, brilliantly authentic, I guess, in his ability to, to use language. He was also, though, he was a great linguist as well, wasn't he? He, was, he but, naturally had an ability. Yes, and I think he was interested in language and the power of language uh, and what it might do. Now, again, coming from Ireland, we know we have the Irish language, and we have the English language. And there are ideologies, I suppose, associated with both. You think of a colonial uh, relationship to Britain and so on, the idea that the English language is imposed uh, uh, and so on. Joyce, he was interested in the Irish language, but decided that really he needed to, as it were, bend the English language to his will. But he wanted to capture how it's spoken uh, in Ireland and in doing so, I suppose, um, right back to that imperial uh, centre. There's a great line in Portrait of an Artist 
when the character Stephen Dedalus, who's a version of Joyce, um, has a conversation with his Dean of Studies uh, in what was then uh, the National College, uh, would become uh, UCD. And they talk around uh, words, and a particular word, tundish, which is uh, a kind of an, an old sort of uh, English word that had remained in use uh, in Ireland and had fallen out of use in Britain. And the, the Dean of Studies is, is an English uh, uh, Jesuit. Um, and Dedalus says, his language so familiar and so foreign will always be for me an acquired speech. I have not made or accepted its words. My voice holds them at bay. My soul frets in the shadow of his language. So that idea of power, I think, is important. So for him to be able to make use of the English language to capture the Irish story, as it were, was hugely important. And I think it's a part of all of his work, from Dubliners to Portrait to Ulysses, and obviously then on into Finnegan's Wake. So that in some way to take that acquired speech, but then to force it to tell uh, his own story, I think is, is important. Because I think with the Irish language, obviously Joyce knew it, um, may not have been wholly proficient in it, but for him, it would have meant not being able to engage with the wider world that in some way then you would only be talking to yourself that there would be maybe no other audience uh, but other writers like Yeats and others uh, also came to the same uh, conclusion now my uh, my understanding of it is that he had a Joyce that is had a very kind of uh, sort of antagonistic view to a narrow-minded kind of nationalism felt that that was what was really coming out mm. of the, the, the kind of Gaelic revival uh, and so on uh, and didn't he have some uh, disagreements with Yeats or he wrote to Yeats in the Abbey suggesting that they should be more interested in European sort of intellectualism? And yeah, yeah, he did. And I mean, like, yeah, he, he supposedly met Yeats. Um, and this is the, these are the contradictions. He supposedly met Yeats um, and they were drinking coffee and they were having a conversation. And Joyce said to Yeats, oh, you're too old for me to have met you. You know, the idea is that, you know, it's over. Uh, I, I, I can teach you kind of nothing. And when a number of years later, somebody told, uh, speaking to Joyce, said, isn't that what happened? He said, no, no, I'm a good boy. I'm a good middle class 19th century boy. I would never say anything like that to a, an elder, which I think is kind of interesting. No, he had that idea of the narrowness. I think the, the idea of a, of a certain vision of Irishness was too narrow. I think the idea of, of a Catholicism particularly um, but not just Catholicism, but an idea of religion, no matter if you're Catholic or Protestant, that was saying about what you couldn't do as opposed to what you wanted to do. And I think he wanted to capture the reality. I think he looked to um, Europe, certainly, to, to wider ideas. But I think it was the idea that he said, they're happening here, but we need just to call it out. We need to actually uh, uh, capture this and, and make that a part of, of our vision of ourselves and not choose these kind of narrow one-dimensional versions of ourselves that were meant to sort of fall uh, into place. So I think he realised that there's multiplicity in the Irish character, but he wanted in some way to acknowledge that. Now, before we go off on his own voyage of discovery and, and so on, uh, he was in your old school in Belvedere, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Um, and um, he talks about that particularly in Portrait of an Artist as, as, uh, as a young man. What did the Jesuits give him, do you think? <laughs> they seemed to raise him very highly. They did. I think, I suppose, the Jesuits then, perhaps now, there's not many of them left, I think, uh, in, in, as with all religious orders. 
But I think it was that idea of that intellectual uh, curiosity. Um, I think uh, an attention to um, uh, to thought, um, uh, an attention certainly to uh, language. And I think he had one or two teachers in Belvedere. Um, certainly George Dempsey was his English teacher one stage who encouraged him, saw that he had kind of uh, talent. I mean, he was interested in the religious life. And uh, in Portrait, there's a famous scene where he talks to um, the headmaster in, in, in Belvedere, who seems to suggest, look, this is a, an opportunity for you. But Joey saw Daedalus, uh, his younger version of himself, realizes that he doesn't want to mediate between God and man. He wants to mediate between reality and a reader. And so rather than religion or spirituality and so on, he wants to use art as the medium. And that becomes his religion, as it were. Didn't he have the line uh, in the particular is the universal? Was that? Yeah, I think like, yeah, the ordinary is the extraordinary. And I think you see that again and again, that attention to sort of detail. And a lot of writers have done it. It wasn't just Joyce, I think, but there was a general kind of idea that, you know, you can think of I said, Robinson Crusoe, you know, an adventure, that it's the extraordinary that's important. But people began to be drawn to literally the everyday um, and continue to be uh, in many ways. But again, that's part of registering an Irish life that had never been seen because Irish people were always seen as extraordinary, the buffoon easy to laugh, easy to cry, the stage Irishman and so on. So he wanted to show just ordinary people living ordinary lives. Uh, and if he could capture that, he felt then that that would be truly extraordinary. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie? Doro, make friends with innovation. So he went to uh, Newman House. Yeah, yeah. Uh, studied. He was originally planning to become a doctor, wasn't he? Yeah, he had various ideas. I think he did a general arts degree, um, not very well. Um, I don't think he sort of shone in many ways. I think it's interesting because I think like a lot of people, his university experience, certainly his undergrad, that first sort of degree was more probably just about the experience than, oh, I need to get a a high mark to get a job or to move on and so on. But then he did go to Paris after that to uh, look at, at, at medicine, but gave that up. He had to come back because uh, his mother was dying and so on. I mean, it is an interesting thing, um, the idea of interested in the natural sciences um, and then moving into kind of literature, as it were, sort of, you know, a, a sense of that. But that's in, in his work as well, particularly in Ulysses. The body is important, uh, literally I mean, there's, you know, each episode is tied to a bodily function or to a bodily part and so on and so forth. I mean, you know, he had this kind of scaffolding, but it's the idea that the body had never been in literature. Um, I remember uh, a, an old professor of mine saying that up until Joyce, um, lots of characters in the 19th century novel obviously suffered from constipation because you never see them go to the toilet. You don't see Jane Eyre heading off to the jacks, as they might say, but you certainly see it in Joyce's Ulysses. But he wanted to say, look, we're not, you know. Wasn't George Bernard Shaw famously uh, horrified by that? Yeah, I suppose so, because it's not polite. 
you know mm. it's not polite and the idea that the novel or society you know we we kind of shield our eyes it's like in those like you know 1960s or 70s thing when couples would come together they would move and look at uh, you know the fire in the fireplace and so on there's things that you don't want to see but Joyce is like actually no this is a part of life but that's actually part of the ordinaries of the everyday is that we do need to go to the toilet every now and again <laughs> now I know one of his early uh, incarnations uh, uh, well not so much as incarnations but actually things that actually happened uh, was his meeting of uh, Nora Barnacle yes. in uh, Nassau Street yes uh, and he he kind of discusses this and discusses his walk on, I think uh, uh, June sixteenth, yes, nineteen oh four, with her. Yeah. Uh, what was uh, what happened then? Yeah. What <laughs> happened then? <laughs> well, I'm too embarrassed to. Ask. I know because we're too polite. But they did. They walked out together, and there was some. Would we call it heavy petting in the 1970s? Isn't that <laughs> That's what we used the to call Jane Eyre plight. Yeah, the Jane Eyre, yeah. Yes. So there was that that physicality. He uh, had uh, an orgasm, didn't he? Yes. Isn't that correct? Yes. yes. But I think, I, I mean, part of the kind of, uh, how would you say it, the energies of Joyce is a pull towards the intellectual, the mind, the imagination, but also literally the physicality of, you know, bodily functions and so on. And... <laughs> sex is a part of that um, and it's trying to sort of be true to each of those um, um, uh, aspects of, of, of his personality I think the important thing about Nora Barnacle was finding a person who uh, he could share his life uh, with and obviously he celebrated that moment uh, by having USA set on the 16th of June uh, 1904 which was a Thursday Gary and I think what's interesting about that is it's the idea that it's not the weekend. It's not like half day Wednesday uh, or, you know, some of the market towns around Ireland, which would close down on a Wednesday in the afternoon. It wasn't a dull Tuesday. No. It was, That's harder sell. Yeah, exactly. But it's just a, it's literally a, a, a day within a week. But also, I think in 1904, if you and what's interesting about 1904 and setting USA's 1904 is that and the book was published in 1922. Like within Ireland, we'd had the Easter 1916 rebellion. Like literally the world of 1904 had been transformed. In Europe and the world, we'd had the First World War and, you know, millions of young men mostly sort of dying in the trenches and so on. And yet he chooses 1904. From an Irish perspective, it's trying to catch, I suppose, Dublin, the country, the personality of Ireland off guard, as it were. It's not trying to be an independent struggle of 1916 mm. or... A lockout struggle. Yeah, or, or, yeah, those kind of events that you could sort of uh, tie, uh, you know, a novel to. So that's deliberate. Yeah, I think so. It's that sense of, you know, and it's the idea that any, I suppose, moment that you focus on is as important as anything else. But also when you tie a story to... You know, you think of, of novels like The War Horse, some of that, it's about the First World War. So it's, that's what gives it a significance. 1904, now there are things happening in 1904, but not some of the things you would imagine. I've always felt that somebody in 1922, an Irish person, a Dublin person, reading Ulysses would say, that's whatever, what is it, uh, 18 years ago or something like that. Think of what the world is like now. It would, it would seem, it's like us reading something from the 1970s, like, my God, so much water has gone under the bridge. It would seem out of date. It would have seemed almost historical uh, in, in, in a way. And yet, 
we now read Ulysses as being up to date, speaking to us now, utterly relevant. Um, and, and so it's just, it's it's a very interesting phenomenon. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll get back to you this yeah. later on because there's so much uh, to get to, well, to talk mm. about that's interesting. Um, this is Gary Cook. You're listening to my podcast. I'm talking today with uh, Derek Hand about James Joyce. Uh, Derek, he left Ireland in uh, 1904, October the 8th, 1904, apparently. Uh, and went off with Nora Barnacle to Europe, settled in Trieste. Those years sound pretty, pretty uh, penurious and difficult. <laughs> yeah, quite. And I think, again, the kind of contradictions of, you know, trying to make a living for um, a, a young family uh, while also trying to create um, art um, and, and trying to sort of be true to all of those kind of aspects of it. It's one of those things, I think, of of his... Look, I would always say to students, no, we read the text, you don't talk about biography and so on. But Joyce did live a very interesting um, uh, life. Um, and certainly it was. It was, a, it was a life of penury. And I think in many ways, that's something that never left him. I think later in life, yes, he was more comfortable. But like his father, he was not very good with money. Um, which, I don't know, as a personality trait, it's important to him, but it's not that important to him that he wants to make the right decisions with it and so on and so forth. But a lot of moving around. What's interesting is in Trieste, he had lots of uh, addresses there as well. Lots of running away from the landlords to, you know, when they creditors were, and all, all the rest that. of it. Yeah, yeah. So it, very interesting life. He was a chip off the old block yes. in many ways. Yeah, he yeah, seemed yeah. to get on very well with his father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think, is it his, one of his sister's? Eileen Schrauer yeah. or Sh whatever her name yeah. is. I, I saw her talking and she was more or less saying that the father gave whatever he had or did everything for your, for James and nothing for the rest of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he backed the right horse. horse. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was it. But like money, like money was important, but important to be spent. And I think it's that sort of sense of here mm. and now, you know, been in the present, I suppose. Didn't he receive quite a lot of help from his brother Stanislaus? Yes. Is, is Stanis Stanislaus? Stanislaus. Stanny, I think, yeah. And he he's written, uh, he wrote some very interesting books, My Brother's Keeper and so on. And Joyce was, there's, um, in Portrait, and this is where, like, Portrait is kind of based on Joyce's growing up, but he manipulates characters and situations and so on. And he certainly manipulates his family, where poor Stanley doesn't even get a look in. Mm. And there's a famous line, I think it's in Portrait, where he says, you know, a brother is as easy to forget as an umbrella which is pretty damning. Um, and Stanny still kind of, you know, remained mates with him, you know. But Stanny kind of knew his, and I think my brother's keeper, I think, so he knew that Joyce's intellect, his abilities were just amazing. But would, would, would have been hurt that the fact that he was in some ways a kind of intellectual sounding board uh, for Joyce never got any acknowledgement from Joyce. But that's just, you know, kind of family kind of politics as well as everything else. Strong know? sense I get from Joyce uh, from just having researched this is that he really did, you know, fancy himself for good reason, but he really did think that he was... The bee's knees. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think all artists are like that in many ways. They need to be uh, to put yourself out there to say, I'm going to create something, be it a song or a mm. poem or, or a play. Um, and, and, you know, just see what the reaction might be. Now, you've acted in things, Gary, and so on. I mean, it's one thing to act. That is putting yourself out there. But to be the producer of the words that you would say mm. 
is a different kind of exposure, uh, let us say. But yes, I think he had to create that sort of sense of, you know, me against the world uh, and the artistic kind of world. But again, what I think is interesting is that when you see that version of himself through Stephen Dedalus in Portrait and, and Ulysses particularly, he's not uber confident. He is not, uh, uh, does not have a sense of himself as, as this, um, you know, hugely successful artist who's going to change the world and so on. It's, it's a much more nuanced, um, perhaps real portrait. That could be a pose, I suppose, as well. Yeah. The name Stephen Dedalus, it's a great name. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really sound very Irish, um, <laughs> although there was always somebody in your class who had some yeah, 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 sounding yeah. name. Now, uh, I also found out in my research for this that Stephen Dedalus, is not, that name is not just some good sounding name. It's got specific references yeah. to antiquity. Antiquity. Uh, well, Stephen, the first martyr, uh, and then Daedalus, you know, uh, Icarus creating the wings and so yeah. on and flying. Icarus's so, father, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yes. So that sense of, you know, uh, the martyr, I think, is interesting. I mean, I think Joyce certainly had that vision. Of, don't we all? You know, <laughs> poor me, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, but I think, you know, that sense of, um, you know, been martyred for his art, certainly. Um, and I think um, uh, the Daedalus, the Icarus, the creator flying too high, uh, all of that, I think, is, uh, is, uh, is, is, is important. It's just it's, 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 a, it's a way of acknowledging that as opposed to the idea of James Joyce or it wouldn't, you know. It's very interesting that he even chose that. And I know we're on a bit of a detour here, but it's very interesting, the, the idea. You students, you're a, a professor and so on, like the idea that even in one name, yeah, that yeah. there would be, it would be so loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that sounds like a book in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's, look, I think that's the way he, he worked and the way language is. Uh, and certainly for him, is that each word, a, a name, uh, in many ways, uh, has, has reverberations beyond, you know, merely Stephen, that there are allusions to many other uh, uh, aspects. And, and again and again uh, throughout his work, that becomes uh, clear, I think. But I think you're right. But I think that's that's part of what he's doing is is packing things in, packing things in. Nothing is ever just merely on the surface. There's always something other to be said. Okay, so uh, just getting into his specific uh, uh, texts. Yeah. Um, Dubliners yeah. was a real struggle to get published and wasn't published in the end until it was published by, uh, was it Grant Richards yeah. in, in England? Yeah, I think... Um, Dubliners are short stories, um, and in many ways they're kind of little snapshots of, of Irish life. There is a system to it that um, you put a kind of pattern on it. The first three stories kind of deal with childhood, and then you've got sort of teenage years, uh, adulthood, and, and you know public life, private life, uh, and so on. So there's a, there's a kind of design to it. There's a purpose uh, to it. Um, I think it, it, it does what it says in the tin. It's a snapshot of Dubliners, different types of Dubliners, uh, men, women, different classes, different backgrounds. But the overriding kind of theme is paralysis. It's kind of disappointment. Uh, every dream has shattered. Every hope uh, um, dies, as it were. Um, and, and I think it really is a, a very grey, grim uh, kind of... of, of of picture of, of Ireland in the 19th century. But that's what he's seeing. And it's politics, it's political, 
it's also, I suppose, the Irish character. It's economic. Um, uh, uh, but there's there's not much hope in it, except that in, in the last uh, story, The Dead, which in many ways, I suppose, elevates um, uh, uh, the collection towards some idea of hope or redemption, I suppose, for the characters. But Dubliners is interesting. Also, as I said earlier, I think I mentioned a kind of journalistic uh, style, which I think is 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 important. They're like almost sort of you know color pieces for for a newspaper, but also it work. These are very much written, and I think that's important. In Ireland, as we know, we're very good at telling stories, but that idea of the storyteller, the oral tradition, so he works against that aspect of, of Irish culture. And also they're kind of odd in that the way that a lot of them end are very unfulfilling in the sense that it's not like, well, and they all lived happily ever after or all the loose ends are kind of tied up. They seem to sort of just have a gap or an absence and forcing readers to go back and say, geez, that I've missed something and so on. So he's playing with the idea of writing, of, of a literary text, as opposed to a story that you might be telling your mate uh, in a pub or over a coffee or something like that. But, you know. And Dubliners goes from sort of childhood to adolescence to yeah. maturity and then to yeah. public life. Is that, is that yeah, the... I think like public life, there's uh, one uh, Ivy Day in the committee room. Uh, Ivy Day is the 5th or 6th of October. It was the death of Parnell. And it's said on... Uh, Who his the... father was a huge yes. fan of. Yeah, yeah. as was yeah. Joyce. Again, the martyr, mm. uh, the person who was sort of dragged down. And also, I think what's interesting of it as a kind of figure, and perhaps each generation does this, and they, but they do it not just in politics, they do it in sport, <laughs> they do it in, in even music, whatever, any sort of cultural aspect is the idea, like, you know, could have been a contender. He was the guy who was going to bring us some form of independence uh, and make everything all right, and then it didn't happen, but becomes this, but almost a block into the future, because how can you embrace the future if you've got this haunting figure of Parnell in the background. But Ivy Day in the committee room is set around the kind of a local election and they're sort of talking around Parnell and so on. But those ideas of, of public life, domestic life, so different scenes, different settings uh, for his characters to work through. Um, and I think that's, again, part of... I always think of Dubliners as almost notes towards what something like Ulysses would become. You're seeing different locations, different characters, different ages, men, women, important people, not so important people. Um, so you're getting that sort of 3D view. Um, and it's as if in Ulysses, he sort of pulls all of that together to make something other of it. It's very interesting that, you know, a guy who feels the need to be kind of exiled, self-exiled, uh, and goes to sophisticated European cities, <laughs> and he spends his time writing about Dublin. Dublin. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of fascinating to me. Um, so was Dubliners a big success at the time? Uh, no, I don't think so. It, it, it did have a, a difficult sort of uh, uh, move into publication because Irish publishers were like, oh, you can't mention such and such a pub on Grafton Street or this and that, you know. I, I think the realism of it frightened the people uh, in, in, in a way. Isn't now, there a story that it was going to be, that it was, the pages were burnt by a publisher? Yeah, and basically, yeah, because they just, you know, that idea that, you know, it, it, it again it goes back to that idea of politeness in terms of the kind of issues being sort of dealt with um i think the idea yeah i, I don't know the idea that if a certain i suppose the associating like the bailey pub with you know a story about alcoholism mightn't be sort of very good and so on and so forth but 
I mean, I, I think it, it does say, as I said myself, Joyce felt about Dubmers, he wanted to hold a mirror up to, you know, his fellow Irish uh, men and women. And I think the difficult sort of story of its publication suggests that people weren't ready to sort of see themselves in that mirror. You know? Okay. The Portrait of an Artist as a Young Man, that yes. was the next yes. of his novels. Yeah. Um, that was a more successful novel in that that elevated him didn't yes it? it did and i think it did because i mean look the thing about joyce i suppose is that and you can see it in dubliners you can see it in particularly the dead and also in portrait he could write and he could use all the kind of rhetorical devices uh, to create characters and scenes and uh, moments and i think uh, for a lot of readers uh, at the time they had enjoyed portrait because it's the focus on an individual, the, the development of an imagination or an aesthetic imagination. A, you know, a, a, a figure, Stephen Dedalus, who is a version of Joyce, as I've said, growing into maturity, but growing into an artist, basically, and touching upon the kind of usual modernist issues of the late 19th, early 20th century, a kind of abandonment of religious faith, a kind of embracing of the imagination or the individual imagination or human imagination is the suddenly the the, the 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 thing by which we engage with the world you know we don't need god we create our our reality um uh, and so that i think spoke to perhaps an international uh, uh, audience um again in ireland perhaps you know it 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 certainly would have i suppose connected with particular Irish kind of writers. But again, in terms of what was happening in the Abbey or with Yeats and other writers of the Celtic revival, or the literary revival as such, it might not have sort of fit uh, that that kind of, of template. But it's very interesting in that it's impressionistic in the sense that it's not a kind of detailed blow-by-blow date-filled book. It's about certain scenes, certain moments. Um, and and. What's interesting about it, again, if, if there's a kind of design, is that each chapter ends on a kind of moment of triumph, which is then undone in the next chapter. So you've got a moment towards elevation and then collapse and elevation and collapse. And then at the end of Portrait, um, it's, it's Daedalus saying, well, that's it, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm going into exile. Turns his back on Ireland uh, and he wants to embrace the possibilities of art. And this can only be done um, in Ireland. So it's a, a kind of moment of elevation. And then a Ulysses starts with Daedalus back in Dublin. He hasn't become a writer, hasn't published anything, and it's deflation uh, once again. It sounds very, almost, uh, uh, well, very thought through, but quite strategic almost, and how he, quite technical. Yeah, 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 absolutely, very technical. And I think that's one thing I think you note with, with Portrait, that it isn't just once upon a time to the all lived happily ever after, but that's how you shape things uh, how you design things, where you place certain moments becomes important. Um, and that's a part of writing as well. Now, he's not the only writer who does it, but I think you can begin to sort of see that, which becomes such a part of what happens in, in his later work. But you can see that in, in, in Portrait. Yeats said that after reading Portrait, he realised with his own memoirs, his own autobiographical writing, that he could abandon kind of dates has, has been important you know the idea that well when I was 15 I did this and then when I was 23 and so on that really what's important are the impressions 
so you kind of abandon truth. <laughs> so uh, what becomes important is, uh, you know, the, the, the sense that we would take from uh, certain moments. So like in portrait, there's lots of gaps uh, necessarily. And I, I suppose um, the first version of, of portrait um, uh, called Stephen Hero was pretty straightforward. Things, one thing happens after another. And Joyce abandoned that and realized, yeah, that's not the way I want to sort of go. But yes, there is purpose to that. There is design uh, to, to the way that he presents a portrait. So it starts with childish language. The young Daedalus been told stories by his mother and his father. Um, um, and then each sort of episode, you can see his relationship to language developing. So that in the first uh, episode, the young Daedalus wets his bed while he's in Clongo's school. And he says, oh, it's wet. First it's warm, then it's cold, then I'm not happy, and then so on. So it's a very straightforward relationship to language. Words connect with objects in the real world. And the oil skins and the bed, yeah, yeah. they have a texture sure. or smell. Or and whatever. smell and yeah. so on, yeah. And then by the end of the novel, you have young Daedalus in university, like all undergraduates, full of potential and hope and ideas, but talking aesthetics, right? So the idea that language now doesn't have to sort of say, first it's, it's hot and then it's wet and it's cold and it's comfortable. But now you can talk about things that don't exist, theories, ideas. So it's, it's it, the development of a character, but also the development of a relationship to language, to words, to what they can do, the power of them. And then the last section in portrait is diary entries, right? Of Daedalus before he heads off uh, into exile. And I think that's interesting because diary, I suppose, in many ways is if you've ever had a diary or kept a diary, you're speaking to yourself, right? Oh, you know, you tell your diary things that you don't tell your best friends, like that you don't like your best friends. You'd say that to your diary, but you're not going to say it to your best friends, right? But it's the idea of a character talking to himself, unmediated as it were, um, which points then towards uh, Ulysses, the stream of consciousness and so on, which I think is that last work anticipating the, uh, the next work. So um, I think uh, Portrait is certainly in terms of the development of Joyce as, 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 a, as a writer, really important, gives a wonderful snapshot, I think, of Dublin in the late 19th century, but also it's important because of that individuality of the character who, who will then, you know, transcend, as it were, Ireland, escape Ireland and all its problems. You're listening to Gary Cook. I'm talking to Derek Hand, uh, Dean of the uh, Humanities and Social Sciences in DCU about James Joyce. Derek, let's, we've got half an hour left, okay. which is but enough to talk about the first word in Ulysses. <laughs> Ulysses, tell us a little bit about the background and and about it. Why is it the way it is? Why is it the way it is? Yeah, that's a difficult one. Um, I suppose after writing Dubliners on Portrait, um, the idea of uh, of another work set in Dublin, I think, is important. I think what's important is, and there's a number of things, there's a number of sort of guiding principles, I think, in, in, in Ulysses. Um, there's a continuities, but then also breaks. So Stephen Dedalus was the hero of, of Portrait, and Ulysses opens with Stephen Dedalus. The first three chapters uh, are around sort of Dedalus. Um, but he hasn't achieved anything. He's still 
all desire. He all, you know, he's still about what he's going to do. He hasn't done anything, as it were. But then the other character is Leopold Bloom. And I think this is the important aspect uh, for Joyce, because Bloom becomes the real hero of, of Ulysses, transcends uh, Daedalus. But I think the attraction of a figure such as Leopold Bloom, he is an ad canvasser working for uh, certain newspapers uh, in Dublin, ordinary man, late 30s, uh, has a wife, has a daughter, child of his, Rudy, had died 11 days after birth, uh, about 15 odd, 20 years previously. No, no actually, no, 15 years previously, about 38. So, um, uh, But he's an ordinary, everyday man. He doesn't want to be a writer. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he, he dreams like the kind of dreams everybody has of like, what would I do if I won the lotto? Those kind of things, you know. Um, but I think it was the ordinariness that's the important uh, aspect of it. So I think uh, it's the character that's the first attraction, I think, for Joyce. And then all the other aspects of the novel, um, the framework, the framing, the kind of Homeric uh, allusions and so on and so forth, all the things that make it so difficult at some sort of level, they're important. But it's that first impulse, I think, is that we need to sort of hold on to when you approach it. The idea that he's trying to capture this particular character, and there are other characters, but as it were, this ordinary man who is complex, who uh, has dreams and aspirations, but, you know, still kind of accepts his life. And I'll talk about one or two scenes where we sort of see that uh, in, in the novel. Um, and I think, you know, that's, as I say, the, the impulse, because... Again, to go back to what we were saying earlier about the Celtic revival, you know, one-dimensional characters. What Joyce does, and other writers, Yeats is another, shows how complex uh, and multivarious we are, actually. So in that way, we're like everybody else. Um, um, we're not unique. We're not that different. We're like everybody else. But that had not been presented to the world or the literary world before, the idea of, a, of an Irish person, as it were, uh, complicated, um, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, not just one thing, but um, but many things. Love loves to love love. Nurses love the new chemist. Constable 14A loves Mary Kelly. Gertie MacDool loves the boy that has the bicycle. Jumbo the elephant loves Alice the elephant. The man in the brown Macintosh loves a lady who is dead. His Majesty the King loves Her Majesty the Queen. You love a certain person. And this person loves that other person because everybody loves somebody. But God loves everybody. On will phone poke a newowet, on will knappy no foom nis orjoet, nis eskalehusod, faker na phone in tokatal gwin, on cho, egg daro. An von Klishte is Dani, gidi gohan la hai glina, agus taskina. Ta roda egen, gogachtina. Tanismo olis, egg, daro.com.